Come on, family, can we lift up the name of Jesus? Lift it up loud, lift it up with a shout. Come on. Hey. Man, we serve an awesome God. And what an incredible, incredible atmosphere there is in the room today. Faith is here. Anything could happen. Jesus is here. You guys can be seated. And I just want to, man, commend this incredible worship team. You guys are amazing. Thank you for leading with such excellence and such passion. Well, Nairobi Lighthouse, it is a dream. It is an honor to be with you all. You guys are beautiful. Can uh, Pastor Don didn't recall, but I will remind you, in 1995, I was a 14-year-old teenager that came on a missions trip to Kenya. And uh, you guys were still in the stadium, and we took a lap in the stadium. Is there anybody that's been a part long enough to remember the stadium? Wow. Wow. Well, we were able to participate in that, and uh, I am amazed. Number one, I forgot how beautiful the weather is here. I, I texted Pastor Don yesterday and said, if I would have remembered, I would have applied for a job here as an associate pastor because in Louisiana, it is so hot. I really came here to escape the heat, if you guys want to know the truth. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it, it And how much it has progressed here. It is amazing, uh, the infrastructure and how much it's developed in, in my memory from 27 years ago. Um, but what a true honor and how beautiful you are and how impacting this church is. Uh, I just, I'm so amazed and in awe. And thank you for allowing me to share the uh, gospel with you guys today. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to, today is Father's Day, and uh, I'm so privileged that I get to share with this house on Father's Day, because I, you have a great father in the house, in Pastor Don Matheny. Yeah. So I've been lead pastor of, of Bethany Church now for uh, 11 years, almost 11 years in October, I've been pastoring the church. And you know, pastoring is not easy. It is not easy. And uh, it's such a privilege, but it comes with its, with its challenges. And to, to think that Pastor Don, he's not just a father, he's a faithful father. And for, for me to be here... Uh, 26, 27 years ago, and him be the same person then as he is now. He looks the same age. He still has all the same energy, but he is a faithful, faithful man. And Pastor Don, I honor you today. From, from a younger senior pastor to a pastor, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for walking the walk and for being who you are. Uh, and I genuinely mean that. You're a great man. Uh, Today, I'd like to, to share with you on the subject of worship. Worship is, is a life message for me, and uh, I so can identify with Rebecca. Rebecca uh, is a daughter in the house. I was a son in the house of my father and led worship there. And to watch you lead worship today in such a, such a gifted and talented way. But I led worship at Bethany for years, and, and now as a senior pastor, uh, 
It's my favorite ministry. You know, the kids' ministry gets some love, and some, the student ministry gets some love, but the worship ministry gets the special love, right? <laughs> and uh, I, I love worship. Worship is my heart. And uh, when I travel, I like to do a teaching on worship to bring people into a, just a deeper revelation, a deeper understanding uh, on the subject of worship, because worship is powerful. Worship is not just for this lifetime. Worship is for all of eternity. We will be worshipers forever. And, and, and many in our, in our 20, 2022 uh, Christian world, when you say the word worship, they instantly think of songs. And I love songs. I love singing and dancing and lifting my hands. It is so, so awesome. But did you know worship is much deeper than just an external expression? Worship goes much deeper. And it must actually go down to the heart. It must actually originate in the heart. Worship has to start in the heart. And then if you went to the, in the Bible and spoke to some of the patriarchs of the Jewish nation, or even if you spoke to some of the disciples of the early church and you said the, worship, uh, said the word worship, they wouldn't identify that with singing and dancing and clapping. Uh, they, there would be other words that they would associate the word worship to. The first word that they would associate it with is the word bow. They would think of bow. As a matter of fact, when Jesus said, uh, one day will come when those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Do you know the actual translation is those who bow will bow in spirit and in truth? Did you know that? And we use that verse often to talk about our singing and and how we express our worship, but worship truly is the bow of an internal heart, which means I am submitted. I am surrendered. I am not the boss. You are the boss. I am not in control. You are in control. This This is what worship is. It starts on the inside. They also would identify worship with the word kiss. Kiss is a symbol of affection. And, and when they said worship, they meant to, to kiss, to show loyalty, to show affection for God. Always when the word worship was used, it was also connected to sacrifice where there was bloodshed. Aren't you thankful this morning we didn't come with goats and bulls and we didn't have a, a bloody sacrifice at church? We can offer up spiritual sacrifice, but a sacrifice means something dies. A sacrifice means something is given that is precious. And so when we assemble ourselves to worship, these three main thoughts of bowing, kissing and showing affection and sacrificing something are always in order. But I want to give you what I've discovered to be five key revelations of worship that will impact your daily life. Say five. Come on, say five revelations of worship. And I would love it if you would write these down. I'd like to bring us to the text I just mentioned, John chapter 4 and verse 23. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers... True bowers, true lovers, true sacrificers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way. He is looking for people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much And Lord, today we have dedicated this time to put you at the top of our priority list. We've dedicated this time to open our hearts and to be changed by your word. So Holy Spirit... 
come now as we talk about worship, impact our lives, change our mentalities, change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The first revelation that I want you to get this morning on worship is that worship is found by God. Worship is found by God. You know, in, in, a, 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 in the world today, there's close to 8 billion people. That's a lot of people. 8 billion people. And it's easy to feel insignificant in a world of 8 billion people. You know, if you're riding around on the back of a boda boda, In traffic, first of all, you probably shouldn't do that. But if you do do it, you ride around in traffic and people are everywhere, swarms of people. The thought can come into your mind, who am I? Who am I really in this world? If you fly on an airplane and you fly over great cities of the world and you're just a speck of dust, the thought can fill your mind, who am I? I had that overwhelming thought in New York City. I was in the city of New York uh, McDonald's. Do you guys have McDonald's here? You don't? Burger King. Well, you could thank God you don't have McDonald's. That's one thing you should be grateful for today is that you don't have McDonald's here. But I was in McDonald's on the fifth floor. They serve burgers on floor one, two, three, four, and five. I was sitting on the fifth floor looking out over the great city of, of New York City as hundreds of thousands of people went by and I had the thought, who am I? And, and we can feel insignificant in this world. But do you know that God scans the whole earth looking for true worshipers? And it doesn't matter if you don't have anybody following you on social media, if nobody in your corporation knows who you are, if nobody in Nairobi cares who you are. The Father is looking for worshipers, and worshipers are always found by him. And when he finds a worshiper, he promotes, he elevates, he uses for his glory. So it doesn't matter right now if nobody knows who you are. If you're a true worshiper, God's got his eyes on you. God sees you. And God desires promotion doesn't come from the east or from the west, but it comes from the hand of the Lord. If you ask King David, say, where did you come from, David? David would say, I was out in a field where nobody else was and nobody else cared. My brothers didn't want to do it. And so they went to war and they took care of family business and they put me out in the field. He felt insignificant, but out there in the field, he had his harp and he began to sing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down beside still waters. He leads me into pastures. And as he wrote these songs, the Bible says that God saw him in the sheep fields and called him. That's when God spoke to Samuel and said, get the oil ready, Samuel, and pour it over David's head. I've chosen him chosen him. If I were to tell you my own personal testimony about when I felt called to ministry, it was actually in a moment where I had a daily routine of going into a, a desolate place. It was a pasture. And I would walk in this pasture daily and I would, and I would pray and I would sing to the Lord in private. And on this day, I began to say words of worship. I said, Father, I love you. Father, you have my heart. And I was a 16-year-old boy. And I felt on one day as if the heavens opened. And I saw God staring at me. In the eyes of my heart, I felt like I, that he found me. 
And on that day, he set me apart for his purposes and calling and put his anointing on my life. But you wonder about your life. You don't have to strive to become something. You don't have to compete to be seen. All you have to do is to love your father and worship him. And worship is always found by God. Second revelation of worship that I'd like you to see is that worship creates encounters with God. It creates encounters. I love that this church uses the word encounter. Our lives are marked by moments with God, encounters with God. If I were to take you back and ask you, when are some of the key moments you've had with God. You would say the moment of my salvation was a key encounter with God. Maybe there's been a sermon preached that when that sermon was preached, God, it was like God was speaking to you and he encountered you. Maybe someone prayed for you and you encountered God, but we need encounters with God. Just like Jacob, when he left his mom and dad's house and he put his head on a stone, there was a stairway from God to him and he saw God and every encounter with God, we always receive our identity, which God tells us who we are, and we must have identity. He tells us our destiny, where we're going, and he shows us his sovereignty, that he's been with us from the beginning, and he'll be with us to the end. We receive identity, destiny, and sovereignty in every encounter with God. This is why we must have encounters with God. And so the question is, can I create encounters with God? And most encounters with God are sovereign. He chooses them. He sets them. Like like Paul uh, was Saul. He was on the road to Damascus, and God just said, enough is enough. I'm going to encounter this guy. And when God wants to encounter us, he can. But did you know that you can do something to trigger an encounter with God? You can actually make an encounter with God happen. This is an amazing revelation. In the book of Revelation, this is after the apostle John had been dropped in a bucket of oil and burned alive. Somehow he survived. He went to the Isle of Patmos and there he was in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. They're going to put the scripture on the screen, but I want you to see how John created an encounter with God. It was the Lord's day. And I was worshiping in the Spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. The book of Revelation happened because John was worshiping on the Lord's day. I'm telling you, this is a secret. This is a revelation that true worshipers will receive encounters from God. And in those encounters, we'll receive revelation about our identity, our destiny, and God's sovereignty. Can I get an amen? And if you need an encounter, well, I'll just tell you, you do need an encounter. Every single one of us needs an encounter. I need an encounter. I need an encounter this year, this month, this day. And if you want an encounter with God, be a worshiper. Revelation number one is that worship is found by God. Revelation number two is that worship creates encounters with God. Revelation number three is that worship has the ability to change atmospheres. Atmospheres. Atmospheres are a very real thing. If you go to a hospital room, there's an atmosphere of fear and panic and doubt. Sometimes there's an atmosphere over a country, a political tension, an atmosphere, a weight. Sometimes there's an atmosphere of freedom, 
and joy. Just a moment ago, we were singing that great song, Anaga. Bro, the atmosphere of freedom was in the house. There can be atmospheres of faith, atmospheres of doubt, atmospheres of fear, atmospheres of anxiety, atmospheres of strife. If you're in your home and husband and a wife have been arguing and bickering, kids can walk into that atmosphere and say, oh, something's wrong here. Atmospheres are a real thing. And revelation number three is that worship can shift atmospheres. Worship can change the atmosphere at your job. Worship can change the atmosphere of your church. Do you know some churches are dead churches, religious churches, and there's an atmosphere of sleep over it? It's dead. You know what they need? True worship. Because when worship is there, it changes the atmosphere. I recall the the story where Jesus was hanging out with a bunch of religious Pharisees. And a woman came in who was a sinner. It says she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Talk about change the atmosphere. A stiff religious atmosphere. And then this woman comes in and does this. Does anybody have a friend who wears too much perfume? Are they sitting next to you now? Don't look at them if they are. But perfume changes the atmosphere. This woman shifted this atmosphere from a religious one to a sincere one. She actually even shifted the smell of the place. And this is the revelation, is that you have the ability to shift the atmosphere of your home with worship. You have the ability to shift the atmosphere of your church with worship. If you don't like what you're experiencing, you don't like how it feels, worship, worship, put it on in your car, put it on in your house, put it on in your church, worship the Lord. But we're not just saying put on the music, put on the heart, put on the identity, put on the, put on the attitude of a worshiper. Worship changes atmospheres. I've seen it change atmospheres in hospitals. I've seen it change atmospheres in the craziest places. Do you know I was in Washington, D.C., one of the most tense places in America. There's so much political friction, so much tension. And I was in there with U.S. representatives and senators and all these congressmen, and we began to worship God with some Christian politicians and they were all sitting there with their hands folded they had forgotten who they were and within 10 minutes God's presence began to fill that room and those were those senators and state reps begin to unfold their hands and then begin to lift their hands and shifting the atmosphere of even a nation through worship one of the coolest things happened the other night personally uh, we began to worship in a service. We just, my family just came from Uganda. We were there in Kampala. And on Friday night, we did a worship night. And I believed that there was healing in the room. And uh, as we began to worship, the Holy Spirit said, there's people are being healed in the room right now. And so uh, isn't it amazing how that happens, that the presence of the Lord can fill a place and he can begin to heal the sick? And my wife has had um, a, a growing lump on her arm. And it's just, it's become painful. And she had it for several months. We were talking about needing to get it removed, going to the doctors. And while we were worshiping, I said, God is even healing small things right now. 
He's healing small pains and ailments. And uh, I had no idea that he was healing my wife. Yesterday, we got on a plane to fly here, and she, her right arm was there. And I looked at her arm. I said, babe, what happened to the big bump? And she looked, and it was almost completely gone. All there was was a small bruise. And she, both of us remarked, said, what? Come on, somebody. Worship has the ability to change an atmosphere. This is a revelation. The fourth revelation that I want to give you is that worship brings the breakthrough. It brings the breakthrough. Ask the children of Israel who walked around the same old wall for seven days and then seven times, but then they lifted up their voice and shouted. The walls came crumbling down. Ask Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. Do you know in Acts chapter 16, this, they're in the prison of Philippi. They had been beaten for their faith, and, and they were there at midnight. You know, I don't know if I would have worshipped God with a bloody back and a bruised head and my arms in stocks. I don't know that I would have worshipped God. But let's read the verse where it says what happened in Acts 16.25 around midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. I often wonder... If they had not worshipped, listen, what do you think, truthfully? Do you think God had his watch set to 12 o'clock midnight and just said, you know, I'm going to let these guys suffer for a little while, but then at 12, I'm going to break them out? Or do you think that their worship was connected to the breakthrough? What's your evaluation? I think if we would have read this story and they hadn't worshipped, I think they would have sat in the Philippian jail. And I just wonder what bondage you're looking at and what wall you're looking at that if, if you will worship, it will actually change it. What financial wall, what relational wall, what physical wall are you looking at? And I'm saying this over Lighthouse Church. What wall is this church facing that we're a worship away? Just one worship away from a breakthrough. Come on, man. I feel that. Some of us, some, you know, say, well, I've, I've been worshiping and it hadn't changed anything. I'm talking about a deep, real, true heartfelt worship because I, I believe people learn church they learn how to clap in church they learn how to sing I know we learn but when is the time your heart bowed when is the time where you truly kissed and gave affection to your father when's the time you sacrificed when's the time you truly lifted your hands and surrendered man maybe you're one of those away from a breakthrough. Just one away. Just one away. Elbow somebody say, just one away. Just one away. The final revelation I'd like to give you on worship is that worship is warfare. Worship is warfare. You know, we, 
we tend to think of things in the natural. Kenya has elections coming up. And we tend to think of everything in terms of natural, political, corruption, all of the things. But do you know, behind every natural battle is a spiritual identity. And there is actually a war over worship. There are principalities and powers that rule geographical areas that desire worship. And they get worship. People that do witchcraft and voodoo and and juju, they, they give to these principalities and to these demonic strongholds worship. And that is what Satan desires. He's so bold and prideful that he even asked the Son of God to bow down and worship him. He said, I'll give you all of this if you'll just trade me your worship. There is a battle over worship. And this is what I've discovered about worship, is that when the high praises of God come out of the true people of God, it let, let God ascend and let his enemies be scattered. When the praises of God go forth, the enemies of God scatter. If you want to change your country and you want to do war for your country, war with worship. War with true worship. Worship moves mountains. Worship moves strongholds. I believe demons recognize when the people of God praise. I believe they hear. Where two or three are gathered together, it's powerful. But when you join hundreds and hundreds of true worshipers, I believe in a dark world, it's like a light shines brightly and pierces the darkness and demons Move out of the way. If you love your country, worship. Let your God rise. Let Jehovah rise. Let the Son of God rule here and reign here in Nairobi and in Kenya. Come on, somebody. So these five revelations of worship, I want you to bring into your everyday life. Number one. Worship is found by God. Number two, worship creates encounters with God. Number three, worship has the power to shift atmospheres. Number four, worship brings the breakthrough. You're just one worship away. And number five, worship is warfare. And this is the amazing thing about this church. When I walked into the room this morning, I thought to myself, why preach on worship to this church? Everybody here knows how to worship. But the Holy Spirit said, I want to give greater revelation. I want to bring a deeper truth. I want people to know exactly the power of worship. And so you can't preach on worship like this and not go into the presence of God and lift lift up the praises of God. I want to have I have a question. How many of you want to worship in spirit and in truth? Oh, man. I feel it in the atmosphere. Guys, would you take a moment and bow your heads and close your eyes all over the room? If you're here right now and and you would say, Pastor, I've not truly bowed my knee to Jesus 
He's not truly the Lord of my life. I'm the Lord of my life. I'm the boss of my life. But I'd love to make him the Lord of my life. This is what worship really means. It means to bow your heart. The Bible does tell us in Philippians chapter 2 that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And the question is, is will you do it now or will you wait for another day? I believe God's presence is in this room and he loves you like a father. He desires to know you. He desires you to bow your knee in worship. If you're here and you don't know what would take place if you were to pass from this life into the next, you don't know if you would be welcomed into the presence of God or pushed away. We can settle that right now. Like you can leave this place knowing where you stand with God, knowing that your name is written in the book of life, knowing that there is forgiveness. And so before we go into our time of worship, I want to pray for anybody here that wants to be cleansed of sin, forgiven of sin, and receive a new life in Christ, receive a, a, a new heart by God's grace. If that's you and you're here, I'd love to pray with you. So let's, let's, let's get right with God all over this room. If that's you, would you lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray with me. I need to receive a new start, a new relationship with God. Lift it up bold, lift it up high, and let's pray today and let that happen. All right, all right, God bless you there. Amen. Lift it up high, lift it up high. Okay, okay, God bless you. All right, God bless you there. Amen, 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 amen. You can slip your hands down. And I'd like us to all pray this prayer together. We're a family. Let's say it out loud. Say, Jesus Christ, you're the Son of God. Come on, say it again. Jesus Christ, you're the Son of God. And I bow my knee to you. You are the Lord. You are the Most High. I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me of all sin. I bow my heart to you and I yield my life to you. Holy Spirit, take control. Fill me now. I give my life to you, Jesus. I believe I'm saved. I receive your love and forgiveness. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Can we welcome those who just gave their hearts to Christ? Thank you, Pastor Jonathan. We just are so grateful for the word of the Lord today. Come on. Can we bless the Lord for the servant of God who's just poured out? Wow. You could be just one away. Just one away. What a revelation. This is amazing. Thanks be to God for the word of the Lord today. You know, I, I just would love to just continue all of us just the other services we just forget about them and let's just keep worshiping how about it everybody one day <laughs> one day oh thank you father thank you thank you for what you've done in our hearts today thank you jesus hey everybody let's worship this week Come on, let's give God praise this week. Let's magnify this week. Let's leave this place rejoicing and giving God thanks and praise. We love you.
Hey, everybody, we love you. God bless you.